Get ready for a week-long celebration of music, community and fabulous fun with Joy Radiothon 2024. Joy has the largest collection of rainbow podcast content in the world and you can help keep us out loud and proud by donating during Joy Radiothon 2024. Just go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. Mark it in your calendars because Joy Radiothon returns June 1st to 7th and remember, we all flourish with joy. This is another podcast of World Wide Wave, the international LGBT news and current affairs show, every week on Australia's first LGBT radio station, Joy 94.9. Surfing the globe, bringing you news, views and current affairs for the LGBT community, this is the World Wide Wave. Yes, it's World Wide Wave time. Joy's international news and current affairs show for and by the LGBTI community. We're taking, taking you around the globe one queer story at a time. And uh, I am very pleased to be joined tonight in the Victorian Pride Centre by Alex. Good evening. <laughs> Like it or not, the media has incredible power. The power to amplify an issue or to silence one. The power to rally people behind a cause or fight against one. With that power comes great responsibility, the obligation to be fearless, factual and fair. But when it comes to LGBTIQ issues, that is not always the reality. One country that is tackling head-on the way that LGBTIQ people are seen in the media is Fiji. They have recently run a training and engagement workshop with journalists organised by the Pacific Sexual and Gender Diversity Network. Their CEO, Isakeli Vulavo, joined us to explain how it went. Here's a taste of what's coming up tonight. It was like very eye-opening for them and it was also something very new for some of them. So we could sense resistance, maybe not resistance, but people just needed time to process, uh, you know, what we were telling them that for us, gender is not a binary. It occurs on a spectrum and uh, we told them this is not something that we are making up, it's reality. You look around, it exists. There are quite a few ways that media can, whether intentionally or accidentally, harm members of the LGBTIQ community, whether it be misgendering, making fun of or st- stereotyping, or even pursuing direct attacks. The media has a powerful voice and a broad reach. To ensure the rainbow community in Fiji is fairly and accurately represented, the Pacific Sexual and Gender Diversity Network staged a training workshop on sexual orientation, gender identity and expression, sex characteristics and LGBT rights. We asked the CEO, Isikali Bulavu, why they saw the need to run uh, these training for media in Fiji? First, there isn't a lot of articles that have been written about LGBTQIs in the media, like covering LGBTQI stories. So we thought of organising this training to sort of uh, sensitise the media and also uh, motivate them and encourage them to also cover... Uh, LGBTQI stories so that it can sort of visualize our lived experiences and realities. 
The second being, like, when do they cover some stories in the media? There's often a misgendering when it comes to, like, a story for a transgender person. They usually misgender the person, although the trans person have clearly indicated to them their preferred pronouns. But somehow when it gets into the newsroom, there are other factors that come into play, including like what we discovered at our training was the policies of the organizations. But when we do uh, ask about these policies, like which policy in particular stops them from using these pronouns, they said that it's often the editors or sub-editors that uh, say that we follow what's in the birth certificate. So that sort of conversations came up when we were discussing about the reasons they do not use the preferred pronouns that are often proposed by uh, subjects of interviews who are trans- who identify as transgender persons. And the other reason we had wanted to conduct this training was we've seen that some media, particularly broadcast media, they often use a sort of gay jokes, like LGBTQI-related stories to create humor. So members of our community felt that the media should move away from that because it sort of uh, further marginalizes LGBTQI community when they make fun of them and trivialize their experiences or their mannerisms or the way they express themselves. The other reason uh, we had organized this training was also because of the rampant uh, online homophobic and transphobic bullying uh, that has been happening. And also, uh, this often is not the fault of the media. Like when they do publish articles about LGBTQI people and they share it on their social media platforms, it often gets attacked by people like this. A lot of homophobic and transphobic uh, violence and discrimination, like the comments that are received. So this was something that we also discussed with the media, like how, what are some of the ways in which they can reduce further harm to LGBTQI people by filtering these comments or maybe blocking comments or using some sort of uh, methodology to try and screen out uh, these negative comments. The stories that were being presented, were they giving both sides of an issue? Like, were they giving the rainbow community a voice? Yes. So it's usually like press releases that we issue where we are saying that we are fighting for LGBTQI rights or that we are fighting for the protection and promotion of the human rights of LGBTQI persons. So those, even those uh, type of uh, press releases, it receives a lot of negative comments when it's posted on the social media pages of uh, media organizations. Uh, and when uh, they do publish them, the level of uh, homophobic and transphobic violence and discrimination is so overwhelming. Yeah. And even government, like government pages, There's certain activities that have been organized by the Rainbow Pride Foundation, which is a national member affiliate based in Fiji, where they had partnered with government for the training of LGBTQI people on business entrepreneurship. The Line Ministry that partnered with them 
had published an article to showcase this. And I think there were like thousands of uh, comments, like negative comments on the government uh, page, targeting the LGBT people and also government for why were they supporting LGBTQ persons. Yeah, it's very, uh, very challenging when people can post all that anonymously and the like. Um, tell us a bit more about the training itself. So what was actually involved in doing this training? So we uh, had a media and human rights consultant that assisted us in delivering uh, this training. Uh, of course, we were involved also in the development of the agenda for the training. And what we did also was we partnered with the Fijian Media Association. So the training was like a partnership kind of arrangement where we wanted the Fijian Media Association to take ownership of the key things that we would like to promote or the messages during this training so that this is something that can be sustained. So there was uh, like presentations made and there was also a lot of group work and plenary uh, discussions and also group discussions. And we did talk about the human rights and also its linkages to LGBTQI, human rights or LGBTQI rights. So we started like from the international human rights framework, bringing it down to regional frameworks and those related to the media. And then we zeroed down to the national uh, human rights framework, which sort of uh, protects the rights of LGBTQI people. And we also took them through some terminologies related to SOGIESC, sexual orientation, gender identity and expression, and sex characteristics. We know that these terminologies are always evolving and it might be new to many of them. So we did do an exercise where we sort of uh, broke down and simplified uh, the definitions for these uh, SOGIESC terminologies. That's Issa Kelly Vulavoa, the CEO of the Pacific Sexual and Gender Diversity Network with us on JOY 94.9. Uh, Alex, I couldn't help thinking when he when he was talking about the broadcast media, you know, making jokes and sort of stereotyping the community, uh, effectively using the LGBT community as a punchline, it... it made me think of this this is the way hollywood used to be mm. in films the gay character either died or was the clown you know yes. was the punchline so it seems like the that um in fiji and you know in broadcast media that seems to be where they're they're still stuck yeah many parts of the world would still have that and we we know that we've moved on some extent or uh, evolved but obviously uh, we know that there are still issues at the media, punching bags within our community. The media love to use. It's more now to do with gender identity and trans rights. So, yes. And, and that that deliberate, well, actually, he didn't say deliberate, um, misgendering of trans people being yes. a particular issue, whether that was deliberate or whether it's just that lack of understanding, which hopefully yeah. something like this training course will help to uh, help to solve. Indeed. Uh, Coming up, you'll find out uh, if the training is making a real difference in Fiji. This is Worldwide Wave. Where our diverse communities can come together. Joy. Hello, this is Wolfgang from Conchitaburst City, which is Vienna in Austria. You're listening to Worldwide Wave from Joy 94.9. 
Now, we've had a message in. Thanks, Andrew, for your message. Can we please cover the homophobia by the Manly Manly Seagulls Rugby League team and the refusal to wear jerseys with rainbow stripes for their Pride game, uh, which is this weekend? Uh, He says it's particularly pertinent to tonight's episode as many of the players are Polynesian. Yes. Which is right. And and the um, religious influence in... Polynesian countries is usually quite um, yeah. quite high, quite um, it's very strong Christian beliefs. Yes, much of which is imported by the colonial powers, but yes. let's see, we've talked about that before on the show. Uh, yes, and of course this is going to reignite the whole Falau um, debate. Uh, yes, yes. Um, and look, you know... It's I'm, interesting how rugby league seems to be quite a fair way behind AFL, and I would even say AFL is a fair way behind some other sports who've yeah. been, uh, you know, even women's AFL was much more progressive than AFL. Um, so there seems to be a real lag in rugby league land. And, of course, the great irony, the first professional rugby league player to come out, Ian mm. Roberts, played for yes. the Manly Sea Eagles. Yes, I heard him interviewed on the radio today, actually, and he was saying that he just wants to, he would love to be able to sit down with these particular uh Eight players, is it? Um, uh, seven was the last count that I saw. Seven, sorry. He'd like to sit down with the players because he feels it's just if you get to know people and yes. just get to know their perspectives, it really is. It's, it's, um, it was a poorly handled situation by... Um, Mixed the, messages, though, because yeah. I certainly heard people say that, you know, they weren't consulted, but yes. equally they were. there were claims about it's not fitting in with their religion. So sure. if consultation took place, would that have changed anything... Maybe, maybe not. Be really interested in what other people think about this. Uh, should players be able to refuse the right to wear a rainbow jersey in a pride match? Should the club just say, "Well, you're not, you're out, you're not playing. That's the that's the game we're playing. Join mm. in or take a seat." Now tonight we're looking at Fiji, and most LGBTI organisations operate on little or no budgets. Therefore, seeking and accessing free editorial in the media is a vital resource. But when the media either isn't interested in presenting queer people or doesn't present the community correctly, it can cause harm. Isakeli Vulevo from the Pacific Sexual and Gender Diversity Network has been explaining that they partner with the Fijian Media Association to deliver the training for media in Fiji. We asked how important this was in getting journalists to attend and to take the issues of LGBT people seriously. I think because of the nature of their work, uh, so we had to do half-day uh, trainings, like uh, the morning uh, sessions, because I think the afternoon were like deadlines for, for them, so they had to run off and try and uh, do their work and meet the deadlines. So the attendance was a bit uh, sporadic, so people were coming in at different times, but the president of the Fiji Media Association was there. So she's made sure that she really values this partnership and she wants to see us taking it forward, maybe uh, develop a sort of a media guidelines on how to report on LGBTQI uh, issues and persons to ensure that it does not bring any further harm uh, to them. So this is one of the, the outcomes. That's great. That's great. Was there anything that the journalists or the participants said or did that surprised you? Um, maybe not surprised, but I think when we were discussing Sojesk, 
uh, it was like very eye-opening for them. And it was also something very new for some of them. So we could sense resistance, maybe not resistance, but people just needed time to process, uh, you know, what we were telling them that for us, gender is not a binary. It occurs on a spectrum and... uh, we told them this is not something that we are making up. It's reality. You look around, it exists in our society. But somehow, when we were growing up, like a religion and uh, some cultural and traditional myths there had sort of forced society, including themselves and even ourselves while growing up, to think that you can only be a man or woman. But we uh, shared with them our own experiences that this is not true. And like for them, some of them, they've seen it themselves. They've have uh, relatives or even close family members who are part of the LGBTQI community. And then also we did talk about the fluidity of Soji. So some of these things, it was a bit hard for them to accept because uh, you know, of the entrenched knowledge that they have built over the years on the gender binary, you know, patriarchy, and you can only be one of two. So those uh, sort of uh, mental attitudes, we had to break down. But I must say that they appreciated the knowledge that they gained and it sort of helped them understand why uh, LGBTQI people are the way they are. You know that for most LGBTQI we were born, uh, it was not a choice for us. So these reflections and open discussions, I think, was one session where we really spent a lot of time and where we saw a lot of interest from the journalists. I realise it's very early days. You know, this has only recently been held. Uh, But have you noticed any change as yet in media reporting or, or media understanding of issues? Yes. There was an article on LGBT that was written by one of the, I think, Fiji's son, so uh, the pronouns that was used, they were using they and the name of the person. So they didn't use she or he uh, of their trans person. So we were really pleased to note that, uh, you know, these little changes are happening and that we are sh- so sure that these journalists, when they go back to their newsrooms, they will be pushing, you know, for these and they will be discussing it with their sub-editors and editors because they told us, for, for most of the editors, like when we take it to the newsroom, we would follow what the subject have told us to do, like which product to use. But when we send it to our sub-editors or the editors, they are the ones who usually tell us to change it. So we did discuss at the, at the training that uh, perhaps they should just use uh, they, them, or try and use the name of the person mm. uh, as much as they can in the article. So... Uh, that was one of the results uh, that we uh, found after the, like immediately after the trade, like one week or two weeks after that, they did publish an article on LGBT and they had used the friendly pronouns there. Your organisation works right across the Pacific. Is this something that you would like to take to other countries where the same sorts of um, misreporting or, or there isn't as much visibility for LGBT people in the media? Yes, definitely. So uh, that's something that uh, we've discussed in-house 
uh, is that we need to spread uh, this out to other Pacific Island countries so that they are also benefit you know, from this particular training and that we can also change some of the way they are reporting to ensure that it does not bring any further harm to LGBTQI persons in their country. Speaking from Suva, that's Isakeli Vulavo from the Pacific Sexual and Gender Diversity Network with us on Join 94.9. I'm not surprised either that there was that, um, not confusion, but I guess trying to get your head around the idea. If you've been taught one thing mm. from, from a kid, <clears throat> that there's boys and there's girls, when you're presented with something else, it's going to take a little while for them to um, think about that. And, and I think these sorts of training opportunities are really good where they can meet some real people who have a lived experience of um, whatever diversity within the community. Um, so I think there's some really good things to have come out of this. Yes, absolutely. I mean, it's, you know, it's a learning process. We know it's often not out of um, willful ignorance, um, just people, unfortunately, it takes you know it takes time. You mm. know, we've all been guilty of doing this from time to time, using the wrong pronoun or confusing, um, making assumptions. Absolutely, even um, here at Joy, yeah, sometimes yeah, yeah. we we do that and we have to sort of yeah. re- rethink, relearn ourselves. Yeah. The only thing I was thinking was that he was mentioning the importance of editors and sub-editors as being yes. the ones who were sort of the blockage, and I don't think they were actually at this training. So I wonder if that might still cause some issues going forward. Interesting to find out. Uh, Coming up, we're going to go a little bit broader and discuss where LGBT rights are moving in the Pacific region. This is World Wide Wave. Joy.org.au. Diversity has a new home. There are many ways for people to express their gender, including being non-binary. Someone who's non-binary doesn't exclusively identify as a man or a woman. They might be a bit of both, something outside that, or no gender at all. Their gender might even change with time. Non-binary isn't blue or pink, it's every colour of the rainbow. Want to learn more? Check out Joy's inclusion and diversity training. Visit joy.org.au forward slash services. This is Dede Utomo from Kayana Santara in Surabaya, Indonesia, speaking on World Wide Way. A special hello to everybody listening to us on podcast. You can subscribe to receive our podcasts automatically either at joy.org.au slash forward slash worldwide wave or iTunes or your favourite podcast platform. And please do leave us a review. We love to hear them. The world's longest running radio show dedicated to international LGBTIQ news and current affairs. This is World Wide Wave from Australia's rainbow radio station, Joy 94.9. Now, the Pacific region has had seven countries that still criminalise homosexuality. That number may reduce to six as the Prime Minister of the Cook Islands declared that if re-elected in August, his government will decriminalise homosexuality. Such a change is a key aim for advocacy organisation the Pacific Sexual and Gender Diversity Network. We asked their CEO, Isikali Ulevol, to tell us more about their organisation and what they do across the Pacific region. The PSGDM is the regional network of LGBTQI organisations in the Pacific. And the Secretariat is based here in Suva. And uh, we have affiliates in 14 Pacific Island countries, namely American Samoa, Cook Islands, 
the Federated States of Micronesia, Fiji, Kiribati, Nauru, Palau, uh, Papua New Guinea, Marshall Islands. Uh, we have them in Samoa, Solomon Islands, Tonga, Tuvalu, and uh, Vanuatu. And uh, there are also uh, ongoing efforts and negotiations with the uh, other French territories in the Pacific, like uh, other LGBTQ organizations in the US and French uh, territories in the Pacific. And our mission mainly includes advocating for resourced and sustainable LGBTQI organizations at country level. Unfortunately, in the Pacific, LGBTQI organizations are not funded by governments, so we heavily rely on donors. And in the Pacific, only the PSGDM has co-funding from the New Zealand government. Our member organizations in other countries they solely rely on their volunteers to run those organizations. So the need for resources is so huge uh, within the LGBTQI sector in the Pacific. Uh, we also push and advocate for increased political commitment at the regional level uh, in all spheres of uh, the lives of LGBTQI. So we push for SOGESC inclusion in climate change, disaster risk reduction in health, in education, in basically all the sectors. So we try and advocate this through the regional Pacific Islands Forum. We also uh, work with our countries to try and push for law reforms, particularly the removal of punitive laws that still criminalize LGBTQI people. So in the Pacific, we still have seven countries, uh, Cook Islands, uh, Kiribati, Papua New Guinea, Samoa, Solomon Islands, Tonga, and Tuvalu that still criminalize LGBTQI people. So this is one of the major focus of the PSGDN is to push for the decriminalization of LGBTQI in all these countries before 2015. Of course, Cook Islands is potentially going to change, or they've certainly announced their intentions to change the laws. That uh, it, What's the thing that most excites you about the future of LGBT rights in the Pacific? In the Polynesian sub-region, LGBTQI people are generally accepted. Fortunately, in the Melanesian region, which includes PNG, Fiji, Vanuatu and Solomon Islands, it can be dangerous uh, being LGBT, being too risky, particularly in Solomon Islands and uh, PNG. In Micronesia, they are also somewhat accepted in their uh, communities. We are really hoping is for the decriminalization. We want LGBTQI to be decriminalized in all Pacific Island countries. Uh, among that, uh, other things, being able to adopt, legally adopt, like same-sex couples being able to legally adopt or being able to inherit their partner's inheritance and having access to other gender-affirming facilities, eh? particularly for trans people. In addition to that, we are also trying to sensitize government, like across all the government machinery. And also, uh, there's not a lot of research, data or strategic information available on LGBTQI in the Pacific. It's one of the most under-researched communities. So we are trying also to conduct as many researches as we can to have as much data as we can to inform our policies and programs. Uh, we're also trying to work with faith-based organizations and cultural institutions because this is often identified by LGBTQI people 
as institutions where homophobia and transphobia are sort of cultivated. And we also do represent the LGBTQ community in uh, global spaces, regional spaces. Mr. Kelly, in many ways, you are the face of the LGBT community in many instances for the Pacific. How did you get involved in LGBTIQ advocacy? I guess because of my personal uh, experience as an LGBTQI person uh, myself, so I identify as genderqueer, gay, uh, genderqueer, itaukei person or indigenous activist or defender of the Pacific. And I've always had this strong passion for uh, human rights work, to work in the human rights sector because of my negative experiences growing up as an LGBTQI indigenous person here in Fiji. And I was sent to a male-only boarding school where my experiences of violence and discrimination were sort of exacerbated. And even now in this position, like only the families, the people that know me, they will show me respect because they know my professional status. But in other social spaces where they do not know me, they just see me as an LGBTQ person, so I still receive the same level of discrimination and violence as any other LGBTQ person that they are not familiar with. So this is sort of uh, the drive uh, that I have and the passion that sort of drives me to be involved in this work. Wonderful. And you are doing great work, uh, not just in Fiji, but across the Pacific. Issa Kelly Vulavo, CEO of the Pacific Sexual and Gender Diversity Network. Thank you so much for speaking with us on Worldwide Wave. Thank you. Thank you, Matt. And they're doing a really great job there. I think this is a really proactive way they can make uh, long-term change for the local LGBT community. Yeah, and it's not it's not this outside not people position. telling them what to yeah, do. It's, yeah, it's again, yeah. it breaks this sort of dynamic of this idea that, again, it's the Western developed world um, trying to impose its, you know, this old um, defensive reaction. This is a grassroots local. Um, it's good to see the kind of this sort of um, cross-Pacific sort of... Um, Cooperation, Connection, influencing, know. yep, yeah, absolutely. It's making slow but steady and inroads. look, Cook Islands, we look forward to bringing you that good news when it happens. Uh, yeah. the, the Prime Minister's got to get re-elected before uh, the law will change. They've completely rewritten their Crimes Act. I was just looking up because I remember chatting to Cook Island, um, the, the person, Tatriana, in Cook Islands, um, about this. They were working on it. Mm. And I, I thought, oh, you know, it was two or three years ago. 2016. So wow. for the very least six years, they've been plugging away to influence I, yeah, the parliament to change that, the laws. I remember that story. Yeah. yeah. All good things take time. Yes. Anyway, progress, slow arch, as they say. Receive LGBT news from around the world throughout the week. Like Worldwide Wave on Facebook now. My name is Tatriana and I'm from the Cook Island LGBT organization, BTR Association, on the World Wide Web. Listen live or on demand from wherever you are in the world. Stream us live on joy.org.au or subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast platform to World Wide Wave.
A huge thank you to our guest tonight, Isakeli Vulavol, the CEO of the Pacific Sexual and Gender Diversity Network. You can follow their great work at psgdn.org or find them on Facebook. And thank you to everyone who's interacted with us on Facebook, Mayad, Claire, Jennifer, Liam and Hipmore. And that's uh, Facebook this past week. And that's W3Joy on Facebook. And our wonderful behind-the-scenes teams, podcaster Peter and social media master Dean, thank you so much. Thanks for listening to another podcast from World Wide Wave, the show that takes you around the globe one country at a time. World Wide Wave is the international news and current affairs show on Australia's LGBT radio station Joy 94.9. You can listen live every Tuesday night on 94.9 FM in Melbourne and online at joy.org.au. You'll find all our podcasts at joy.org.au slash Worldwide Wave, or follow us on Facebook for the latest international LGBT news. Search W3Joy on Facebook now. This podcast was produced by Joy Media. You can support Joy's diverse sound and diverse community this June by donating to Joy Radiothon 2024. Go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. And remember, we all flourish with joy. Joy.